On this edition of the Deseret News Ute Insiders podcast, we talk basketball. The Utes open with a split with the Oregon schools. We look back on the Alamo Bowl and ahead to other football news. That and more on the Deseret News Ute Insiders podcast. Hi, this is Greg Rubel, the voice of the BYU Cougars. And for some reason, they've asked me to tell you that you are listening to the Deseret News Utes Insiders podcast. Enjoy! All right, folks, welcome to another edition of the Deseret News Heat Insiders podcast. It's a new year, 2020. Uh, the boys here are excited to be back in town after spending some time in the Alamo City, and I think a lot of Ute fans know how that turned out. So let's start with basketball. Ute's uh, open Pac-12 play, splitting with Oregon and Oregon State. Mike, uh, is that the best you could ask, one-on-one, considering uh, Oregon's high ranking? Yeah, I think they got to be happy with one-on-one because those are both good teams. You know, Oregon State was 10-2, and two, and they went out and beat Colorado two days later. They're a very good team. Oregon's number four in the country. They uh, lost to Colorado, but they, you know, Utah stayed with them right to the last shot of the game. So had to be happy with one and one. I think. Jody, what do you think? Obviously, uh, Oregon State uh, familiar matchup with the coaches being uh, former teammates and former coaches together. But uh, that was a good win against Oregon State, and then the Utes did give Oregon all they could handle right to the end. They just couldn't get a rebound there at the last two minutes. Right. I mean, what the thing that I took away from this weekend was that's not the number nine team in the Pac-12. I mean, the Utes have done this the last few years. They've they've been picked low, and then they've outplayed their preseason predict, prediction. And to me, I know it's early, but this looks like a legit top half of the Pac-12 team. That's a good win over Oregon State, like you guys said. And uh, I was really impressed how the young guys played against an experienced uh, Oregon team. And I talked to the Oregon coach and Oregon player after the game, and, and you wouldn't have thought that that was a, a team that was relying on some freshmen and sophomores. I mean, they, they didn't look at the Utes as a young team. They looked at them as a very talented, uh, good opponent. And watch out because, you know, once these guys get that experience underneath their belt, this could be a legit uh, contender. Mike, uh, Booth Gotch, Timmy Allen have stepped up their games, obviously, from last year. I see uh, at least a thought in the Oregon game that both of them just stepped up and played uh, beyond being sophomores. And then uh, Ryland Jones is obviously doing some good things. And uh, you just talk about the development of this team. You've seen them all season long. They seem to be getting uh, better as the season progresses. Yeah, they. Uh, that's one of their problems, though, is they're pretty much about a, a three-man team right now because they. Uh, Timmy Allen has been carrying them on his shoulders all year long. And then he had his probably his poorest game of the year against Oregon. He's six out of eighteen, missed five foul shots, you know, which he hasn't done all year. So I think it just kind of got to him. If he had a normal game, they would have won that game. Is he getting tired because he's logging a lot of well, minutes? Well, another thing, yeah, he had forty minutes, played the whole game. He played thirty-eight fifty-one against uh, thirty-eight forty-one against Oregon. So he played all but a minute nineteen of that series, and that's a, a problem they have is they have to get more bench help. And they got to get more consistency. I mean, those three guys have been pretty solid. Booth's been a little inconsistent, and Ryland's a little inconsistent, but pretty dang good for a freshman. Uh, Riley Batten has had a couple of poor games. He's got to step up. You know, he he needs to get more than two baskets in two games. And then their center position, he's had four points the last four games from Brendan Carlson. So they got to, you know, they're kind of doing that by committee. You know, they got Mickey uh, Jantunin and Lahat. You know, they come in and, and spell him. But the biggest thing, they got to get some guys. And Larry addressed that today in his press conference. They've got to get more bench help because they've got uh, they're basically a seven or eight man team right now these guys are all playing 30 35 minutes or 40 minutes a game 
And that's not as when they start having these games one after another, it's not going to work out very well. And these guys are just going to get even more tired. Jody, you have another tough challenge. They're at Colorado, another ranked team, but they're playing these guys on the road. Uh, do you think what they what they did at home this week will translate to some good things in Boulder, or is that just going to be a tough challenge? It'll be a tough challenge. They haven't really played a road game for a while, you know. So they had all those neutral games, and and then a couple started the Pac-12 schedule off at home. So it it, it will be interesting to see how they respond because obviously it's a lot different when you have thousands of fans cheering against you. I thought it was it was kind of funny that uh, Richardson from Oregon, Oregon the other day said, I think that was the biggest crowd, or one of the biggest crowds Utah's ever had. They almost had 13,000. I'm like, man... <laughs> That kind of sad indictment on the state of college basketball. She's like, no, this place used to be packed every weekend, every every time. But it'll be different. But he actually liked it. He he liked the energy that the Ute fans brought to Saturday's game because it lifted, you know, made them want to play harder. And so that's how the Utes need to approach going to Colorado. A really good team, off to a nice start, the Pac-12 ranked team. So they have to try to use that uh, and and channel that energy in the proper way. Mike, the schedule maker didn't do the Utes any favor. I mean. They play Oregon, obviously, then Colorado, and then had the Arizona trip right after that. I mean, this is a, yeah, three, this is a very challenging stretch. Three ranked teams in a row, and also these three games are all within a week's time, less than a week, actually, Sunday through Thursday and then Saturday. So in seven days, they play three teams, two of which are ranked, and the third one, Arizona State, is, is off to a pretty good start. So I look at it this way, that you know they're not going to win all three, and they may not win even one or two, but I think if they can get one of those three, it's going to be a good deal for them because in, in the Pac-12 this year, it's looking like it's going to be pretty evenly matched, you know, Right now, half the league is one and one, or more than half. I think eight teams are one and one right now. So um, it's going to be a, a you know a very close all the way through. And if they can pick up one road win to, to counteract that road or that home loss the other day, that's something they would they should be happy with that. If they can win one of the games, probably most likely would be Arizona State. But still, uh, if they could just pick up one win, that would be a, an accomplishment. The curtain of distraction now could be a big distraction. You never know who's behind there. That's right. Could get ugly. Hey, uh, how strong do you think the Pac-12 is this year, Mike? You talked about the balance there, but obviously there's teams um, like Arizona that on paper look like they could be really good by the end of the season with Nico Mannion and guys like that. Colorado looks pretty solid. Oregon looks solid. Are there more than three top 25 teams? I know that's what they have right now, but do you see more than three teams maybe competing for the championship? Well, yeah, you got to don't forget about Washington. You know, they dominated last year and they were in the top 25 and they've lost a couple of games. They, they won big in their last game, but they could be right up there too. But I think overall the league is uh, improved over last year, the last two years, obviously they are. They've got, um, I think they're number six ranked in the whole country of as far as top conferences go, and they've been seven or eight in the past couple of years. So I think they could get, um, I think they could get four teams in the NCAA easily, and maybe even more than that if, if these, as, as the year goes along, some of these teams keep improving. Like Utah had, even has an outside chance. There's a, there's a website called Bracketologist. I'm going to give it a plug because it's really interesting. It's really well put together. I believe it's from uh, some Utah State students so kudos to them. But Bracketologist.com, and they put together the, uh, it's a college poll tracker, but they have the listed of the NCAA evaluation tool rankings, the net rankings that are so important in this year's uh, determining which teams go to the NCAA. And this, so right now they have, it shows uh, that Utah has six, or excuse me, the Pac-12 has 
six teams that are, as of right now, qualified for the NCAA tournament. So, like Mike said, I, this is a, a conference that's in a better position than it has been in the past. I think it's deeper. Uh, and you see there are a couple other teams that are just kind of on the bubble. So you have six, seven, eight teams in the Pac-12 that are pretty good. The, the bottom few teams aren't, you know, not much of a challenge. But right now they have the Utes at number six and 48th overall in the country. So that's right as of now, Utah is in the NCAA tournament. So go ahead and celebrate that. And go figure. You lose to Coastal Carolina and you're still in the discussion. But beating Kentucky obviously helps. Uh, Mike, their preseason schedule, their non-conference schedule has improved this year. And they actually fared better in the month of November and December. Is that going to pay off at the end of the year? It obviously worked for Arizona State in recent years. Yeah, you know, they beat Minnesota, and they're ahead of them in the NET rankings. BYU's, you know, number 30 or 31. They're well ahead of them in the NET rankings in Kentucky. So there's three teams that are up in the top you know, what are they, quadrant or whatever they call it, the first and second quadrant. So, yeah, that helps them a lot. You know, they have those bad losses to Tulane and Coastal Carolina. You know, the loss to San Diego State's a good loss because they're number one in the NET ratings right now. And the loss to Oregon's a good loss. So, you know, the, the, some of these losses in the Pac-12 will be good losses. They just got to watch out and not lose to Washington State and Cal, teams like that. That's that's where there's going to hurt. They got to win those games. And then, like you mentioned, Arizona State, they got into the NCAA with an 8-10 and 10 record, right, in league a few years ago. And I, I think if Utah could not go 9-9, nine and nine, 10 and 8, they should have a good chance, like Jody said, of being in the NCAA tournament. Well, especially, like you said, if the Kentuckys and the BYUs of the world uh, end up continuing to do well, yeah. yeah right now, they're they're in the first four. They're playing Akron, and the winner of that game will advance to play Florida State. See, it would be nice <laughs> if the Pac-12 was not involved in the first four for once. You know, it seems like uh, they've been well represented in recent years in the first four, but uh, Mike... Pack your bag and head to Dayton. Well, we'll see. <laughs> All right. I wouldn't go ahead and book that just yet, but we'll see. But it'll be interesting to see what happens there. And uh, last thing, Mike, I just wanted to ask you, you follow this a lot. Is there a legitimate Final Four team in the Pac-12 this year, or do we just have to wait and see if somebody emerges in Pac-12 play that's a little more dominant just because of all the parity right now? Well, that's the thing. There is a lot of parity <clears throat> in college basketball. You know, they've had six uh, number one teams in the in the first six weeks, you know, in the in the AP poll. So you could say that Oregon State or Oregon has a team that looks like they could be in the Final Four just from looking at them. Um, you know, so it's possible because they're not, they're not three or four dominant teams. Right. So that opens it up for maybe a dozen teams that have a chance to get there. And certainly, you know, you look at Arizona and Oregon, they, they have a chance to be among the top, you know, dozen teams in the country. So I think there is a chance, you know, I wouldn't count on it, but it's not outside the possibility. All right. Well, guys, let's uh, let's talk Texas for a minute. The three of us uh, covered the Alamo Bowl and uh, Utah, obviously, on the uh, the bad end of a game against Texas. Jody, what was your immediate takeaway from the Alamo Bowl? Oh, sorry. I'm going <laughs> Let me wake up. I thought up. that was a fart. Oh, <laughs> uh, Wow. <laughs> The Alamo Bowl, that was a huge disappointment to me. I The Pac-12 championship game was understandable, it was disappointing. I really thought the Utes would bounce back and come and, and make one last stand and, and go out with their head, heads held high. But, boy, that was – Texas really took it to them. I mean, it was a good old-fashioned woodshed moment for uh, Texas. And, you know, they're right outside of Austin, so it was uh, heavily attended for the, the Longhorns. I mean, 
it was like playing a game there in Austin. But that was, yeah, that was tough. I think, you know, I just don't think Utah was emotionally ever really got over the, the Pac-12, you know. I mean, he talked about it all day, all this time. We have two or three weeks to get over it. But I just think there was something missing emotionally, you know, because yeah, they had the same talented guys that won all those games by big margins all year. But they just, I think, were not quite, you know, into it as much as they should have been. And maybe in the back of their minds, they kept thinking, well, we should have been in the Rose Bowl or the playoffs. And we're here, and it's a good bowl and everything. But they just, I just think from the start, they just did not look like they were into it as much as they had been all year. And they got behind, which they hadn't done a lot this year. And they just had a hard time catching up. Yeah, and, they, and they were making mistakes, too. And I think they were, there were some, you know, some penalties that were uncalled for. There were some just silly mistakes and some talking back and forth that you don't normally see as much as you did. I just thought they lost their composure. And honestly, I, I think it's disappointing for Ute fans and the Ute organization because, you know, you, you go back to the Sugar Bowl and a lot of people say, or Alabama would say, oh, we don't want to be here. You know, we want to be somewhere else. And for the Utes to come around, you know, to the Alamo Bowl and, and kind of have that same, it seemed like they had that same uh, feeling about the Alamo Bowl. You can understand it, but at the same time, you got to fight through that and show some passion and show some some pride in yourselves and, and your team. And yeah, they were missing a couple players uh, and uh, things weren't what they wanted them to be, but that was their last chance to fight together. And, and I don't know, I just, they flopped instead of fought. Mike, where do you think the legacy is? There was a lot of talk during the season that this team was as good as the Fiesta Bowl team, was as good as the Sugar Bowl team, but they ended up losing three games. Those two teams went undefeated, as Kyle Whittingham pointed out in his post-game press conference, apples and oranges when you're playing in the Pac-12 compared to the, the Mountain West. But where do you put this uh, 2019 team as far as maybe in that pecking order? Are they ahead of either of those two teams, both, neither? Where do you see them? No, that, their legacy is definitely tarnished by that. You know, I mean, losing three games, I mean, 11-3 compared to 12-0 and 0 is, is a big difference. And those two teams, I think, are way, you're going to say, are way above this one, you know. It's a great year, but, you know, they, they're going to be up their numbers, if you want to go by in order, maybe three or four in the last, you know, two decades, you know, as far as, but you have to, it's just unfortunate for them that they just, that it is the last, people will think about the last two games instead of the first 12 when they did so well, but it, it does have to, it does tarnish the legacy for, for this team because they just expected more and a lot of people expected more from them. Bill Riley had asked a question about what grade would you give the Utes this season? And I it probably surprised some people, but I gave them an A because I think that overall this season, that was an 11-3, the third best season ever, arguably, in you know your program history. I think that deserves an A. The way they dominated, they beat those eight opponents in a row by an average of 29 points, which which included you know well, a, a every close one game. Of, every one of them ended up being a championship game, in essence, because right. if they had lost one of them, USC would have ultimately won the division. So. Exactly. And you've written a couple of good articles pointing that out. and it, Whittingham brings it up a lot. So. <laughs> but I think overall, if you look at the whole body of work, yeah, they kind of flubbed up the final. But I think they did enough during the the course of the semester, during the regular season, to get the, to merit that A. Maybe an A-, minus, but maybe, or maybe I'm just too soft of a teacher, giving well, out nice grades. I wouldn't mind being in your class, Mike. <laughs> and not to be negative, but I think also we were a little bit, you know, the fact that their schedule really turned out to be pretty darn soft when you think about it. They had three... Right. 
three non-conference games against teams that weren't that good. And then the teams in the Pac-12 they beat by these large margins were not that good as it turned out. And the ones they struggled with, USC and Washington, they barely won those games. Well, they lost to one of them, won the right. other one. So I think that a lot of time we might have been fooled a little bit by thinking that they were a little better than they, they were because the Pac-12 as a whole was not that great this year. And so Utah won all these games so easily. You thought, oh, they're so great. And it was a great year, but it just maybe maybe they didn't weren't as great as we thought they might be. Do you think yeah. you can take anything away from the fact that Utah's three losses came against quote-unquote storied programs that are usually stocked pretty deep, USC, Oregon, Texas? That's interesting. There might be some psychological issue there that the youths subconsciously don't feel like they deserve to be on the field at a competitive level with these teams. Dirk, this is deep. Yeah, well, obviously they, they're deep, you know, all three of those teams. But, you know, before the game, um, you know, Alex Smith was there as an honorary captain. So I went down to try to talk to him and I watched Texas warm up and I, I said to somebody, they looked bigger, stronger, faster than any team I'd seen Utah play this season. And I told somebody that, and I said, this Texas team, these guys are athletic. They're big. And that was a five-minute glance, and it turned out to be pretty accurate because they were a very physical team, very athletic, and they were healthy. And, you know, we forget that Texas only lost to LSU by a touchdown, and this year that's saying something considering how strong LSU is. So It's funny you point that out. <clears throat> I had noticed some things that this is not stuff that probably directly relates to on-the-field performance performance but their band the way the band played and they like they marched and they looked made the texas and they made the tea and they they had the uh i forget what the the longhorns name is but they brought the longhorn out and bevo bevo thank you <laughs> bevo and butthead and they had all the, these chants <laughs> and Jody i'm quickly that. moving on you notice <laughs> and they just everything this the, the pageantry that came along with this football team it just it seemed like a big time program and yeah. i was i it was fun they made that like the pregame really interesting got got you hyped up and it just you knew you were playing a, a big program and you know not some junior college team well, guys, uh, and that wasn't a shot at BYU, by the uh, way. Hey, well, now people want to know what's going on with football. Obviously, the Senior Bowl's coming up. Five Utes there, and the uh, East West Shrine Bowl. Three Utes participating in that. Utah's pretty well represented in these uh, All Star games. Uh, Mike, you think that's going to translate to a lot of guys getting call on draft day? Yeah, you'd think so. I mean, they've they've talked about how they have you know, half a dozen to a dozen guys that are, should be playing in the NFL. And so, um, if you know, in, the, in a lot of these bowl games, they pick the top guys that uh, pros are looking at. So I think, obviously, it's going to translate into guys playing in the NFL after that. Um, Jody, big holes to fill the entire secondary. The Utes need to find two new starting safeties, two new starting cornerbacks, and a nickelback, um, in addition to replacing three massive holes on the defensive line and Francis Bernard at linebacker. There's a lot of holes to fill. Do you think Utah has the depth to, to do that, and uh, do you think they'll be a contender again next year, or is that just too much to overcome in one year? I, that, that's going to be a, a tough challenge. That's a lot of great players and big and holes you, to fill. We didn't even talk about the offense. using right. Zach Moss, Tyler Huntley. Right, yeah. I mean, yeah, because the defense is Darren losing Paolo. so much. But they do have some good players coming back. And, and if the Utes have done one thing over the years, it's it's expand the depth they have. You've, you saw that 
thought just from the linebacker core this year, from the previous year, just how well they were able to to transition almost seamlessly. So I think they do have some new guys that coming in that have opportunities, and that's that will be exciting. And there will be a lot of different uh, uh, races that will be fun to watch. But that's just so much to overcome. I I still think that they're going to be a really good Pac-12 team next year. I just don't. I, I don't know if they can overcome that big of a hurdle. And getting Phillips, you know, the recruit to switch from Ohio State to Utah, that's obviously going to be huge for the secondary. But you know, I think the priority might obviously might be that secondary because you're replacing five guys back there. You know, and the defensive line, like you pointed out, Utah tends to reload. Um, replacing a Bradley and Ian Lecky Fotu and John Penasini isn't going to be easy. But they seem to find a way every year to to find some other defensive linemen and have some depth there. But it'd be interesting to see what they do with the secondary. I mean, they already moved Shelley over, so that that was one interesting aspect of the the December off season. Yeah, yeah. I think the program, you know, that has in recent years has developed a lot of depth. So a lot of guys we haven't seen this year, I think, are been waiting in the wings. I mean, I'm not saying they're going to fall off the cliff because I think that might have happened in recent years when when they lost all their starters, but they have so many good players in the program that I think they'll contend next year. They may not win the South, but I think they'll be one of the top two or three teams in the South and probably go to a decent bowl game again next year. That'd be good. Well, um, signing day coming up in February. Utah signed the vast majority of their class already in the early signing period. Do you think there's any priorities uh, going into this, or do they kind of just go in and say, we're going to get the best available athlete, that old uh, line, and, and just plug somebody in, or do you think they maybe are looking for a guy in the secondary, maybe a guy yeah, in the transfer portal? Yeah, I mean, because they lost another you know javelin to, to the NFL, so I think that's going to be the big hole that they need to fill. So the more guys you have in the secondary, the better. Be good. Well, guys, uh, next year Utah will be entering its 10th season in the Pac-12. Mike, you've covered the Utes for a long time. Is that hard to believe? It's been a, almost a decade since they uh, left the Mountain West for the Pac-12. Yeah, it really is, you know, especially for us old guys. It's hard to figure that out, you know, how the time flies like that. It does. It's just like you wake up, I'm 10 years, are you kidding me? But uh, what do you think? Uh, they've won back-to-back South titles. Uh, it took a while, as Kyle said, to scan the, uh, the Grand Canyon, making that jump from the the Mountain West to the Pac-12. Given what you just said, Mike, about you think they'll be contenders again, even though they have heavy graduation losses, have they kind of arrived? Are they a legitimate Pac-12 team and not this former Mountain West team that's trying to find their way? Do you think they've kind of settled in now and that they can compete? You mean as a football or just as a school? You know, and maybe both. Maybe football first and then in general. Yeah, I think they have. I think they've proven in football certainly winning two Pac-12 South titles in a row. And you know, basketball. You know, three or four years ago, they were one of the two best in the league and that's you know, I think that's an upward swing I think in one or two years from now you're going to see a really top team you know because they have a lot of good guys coming in so basketball I think is going to come back be one of the top in the league and you know you can talk about you know gymnastics and stuff they've dominated that over the years for the on the whole and they had a baseball title I've had off and on but then on the, the on volleyball's the, good yeah but you know they've they're, they're getting better and they've done well in women's soccer and stuff like that but there's still these these other programs UCLA and USC are still going to dominate them in all these minor sports and that's just going to the way it's always going to be but uh, I think Utah, you know, if you just said, you know, 10 years ago, looking back, you'd say, wow, they really have shown that they, you know, belong in the league, I think, because they, they certainly passed up a few programs. And I think overall, they have to be happy with their decade. Yeah, I think I think also, I mean, 10 years, so you look at the, the athletes that are coming in, they don't remember Utah being a Mountain West team. They don't even know what the Mountain West is, probably most of them. So, right. they, you know. Well, they the, get to go to Wyoming, the football <laughs> team, this fall, so they'll, they'll learn in a hurry. Oh, man, that's bringing 
<laughs> that's bringing back <laughs> Dirk's some bad memories. Trip, aren't you, Dick? Dirk. <laughs> I'm sure it's going to make me drive. So. <laughs> Oh, boy. Well, we were stuck on <laughs> I-80 for, what, six hours because of yes, the snowstorm? We, we have a story to tell. Yeah, wow. then, too long to share with you today, but it's good a times. good story. <laughs> you buy Jody and I lunch, we'll tell it to you. So. But I think that for older people, older fans, the old farts like us, we obviously remember the old days, the whack and Mountain West. But the younger generation, the people that say OK Boomer to people like us, Utah's just one of the... I've yet to have someone say that, but I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. My 13-year-old and 15-year-old say that to me all the time. I'm like, I'm not a boomer. I'm a Gen Xer. Exactly. <laughs> and I'm just old. I'm like, okay, Gen Zer. But don't you think, I mean, Mike, I mean, if you think about it, who would have guessed that the first men's title would come from baseball of all sports? Uh, Bill Kennenberg. That's probably exactly. the only one I know. So. I was, I'm real happy for Bill on that, but I, that just shows how weird this this journey's been a little bit. You yeah, know? but you know, like I say, they've been up there close in a lot of sports, and I think as the years go along, they'll start getting more and more titles besides skiing and gymnastics. All right, guys. Well, we got to wrap this up soon. Uh, Reggie Stedman is giving me the eye. Like, come on, guys. You said you weren't going to talk this long, <laughs> and so we're going to uh, wrap it up. Uh, the Red Rocks uh, opened with a win over Kentucky in the season opener, and uh, what do you guys think? You think uh, with the new coaching regime that uh, gymnastics will be able to stay on that uh, championship contender level? Yeah, I mean, they, this, you know, they've had such a long, steady tradition of, of success, and it's not like they're completely starting over, so you know, I, I think that they're a program where they just reload, restock every year, and they don't have to start over. Mike, do you think that's one of those programs we talked about that just, just they're, Yeah, they'll always be in the top six in the country. It just seemed like that's been that way for 30 years and it's continuing on they just kind of like you say reload restock and they always seem to have one of the better teams so all right guys women's hoops off to a seven and seven start but the pac-12 is absolutely brutal they have a lot of ranked teams and a lot of uh, top 10 teams yeah last week utah went up to oregon they played number three oregon state the first night lost by 29 played number two oregon the next night lost by 30 something so they're they're a, they're a young team and it's they're gonna they play number Number eight UCLA this week, so it's just one after another. Last year they stayed close to a lot of these teams and had a pretty good season. But I think Lynn Roberts was talking about that. They just they're they're a little young. They're a couple of years away, so they're just going to have to be patient and you know win a few here and there. But they're not going to be going to any tournaments at the end of the year. I'm afraid this year. Jody, Congratulations to Lynn Roberts. What was the 300th or 400th win? Uh, she hit a milestone, <laughs> and that's always worth noting. So hey, uh, Jody, how about a plug for the newsletter? This week we have another fun, entertaining, exciting. Ute Insider Newsletter. We have our Utah by Five. We have uh, a roundup of other interesting stories going on. Just a lot of this and that about the Utes. Every Wednesday it comes out into your inbox. All you have to do to sign up is go to Deseret.com to the newsletters and click on the the button there and lots of fun. All right, before we sign off till next week, a shout out to my colleague Kirk Cragthorpe, former Deseret News sports writer who finished his career with the Salt Lake Tribune. Kurt retired after the Alamo Bowl. We wish him well on behalf of Mike and Jody. Happy trails, Kurt. All the best to you as a retiree. Folks, thanks for listening. Until next time, we will talk to you later.